Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Welcome to the second episode ever of Rock Camp, the podcast, the official podcast of Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp. We're so excited to be doing this. I'm Miles Schumann, the camper, Britt Lightning, the rock star, and David Fishoff, our promoter slash founder of Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp. How are you doing, guys? We're doing great. Doing Happy to great. be here. I mean, I, I love that you're going through the vault and you're finding material every day of past camp stories, and it's really bringing stories out of me to remind me as, as I hear these stories come out. I love sharing all this information with, with all our fans out there and campers. And I'm happy we're able to reach all these new listeners that are really unsure of what Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp is because a lot of people really don't get what the concept is. So I'm glad that we can bring them in to our four days at camp and take them through the experience. In case you haven't heard that to celebrate the launch of the podcast, we are giving away an electric guitar signed by Marty Friedman, formerly of Megadeth, Mike Portnoy of Dream Theater, and Zach Wild, the legendary shredder from Ozzy Osbourne now with Pantera and a bunch of rock star counselors from rock camp. So all you got to do is follow and rate and review the pod on your favorite platform. And to do so, you can go to rockcamp.com slash podcast. This is going to run for four weeks, starting on the day that the first four episodes of the podcast drop. And that is January 8th, 2024. I think camp has really gotten so much better, Britt, since you've been able to talk to these campers and, and audition them on the phone and to Zoom with the power of Zoom. You know, talk to everyone about that, because I think that's really one of the questions is how do I get placed in a band? Why that band and what you've seen? Yeah, thanks. Well, um, yeah, so basically I, I meet with everybody over Zoom for, you know, just five minutes. I talk to them. I want to find out their experience level, get a vibe for their personality because there's a lot of different personality types that go into making a band and, you know, what they hope to get out of camp because everybody has different reasons for coming to camp and different goals. You know, I, I get all that information and then if they play an instrument, I have them play or sing a little bit for me too. And then I just kind of, you know, take notes and then just after I've talk to everybody I just kind of compare everything and see what makes sense what fits I pair them with the counselors I know the counselors and their personality types we base bands on a little bit on skill
skill level, a little bit on age sometimes, and all different things. But also, we we like to mix people up as well. And you know, it's always good to place somebody, a new person in a band with people that are better than them too, so they can feel. You know, you you always want to be around people that are better than you, so you can improve too. So there's a lot of work that goes into it. I liken it to a Rubik's cube, putting bands together for rock camp. Because there's a lot of moving parts, and then you get people too that are like, well, I I remember meeting Joey at this camp, so I want to be in a band with Joey. Well, what if you and Joey are completely different levels? Right. So it's a lot of work and a lot of figuring out. But in the end, I, I think that this process has been really great. As opposed to the auditioning process of the past, we, we say rock camp or, is a non-competitive or not, or atmosphere. Or not auditioning that. We're just hearing their report, you know, right. they're telling you. Yeah, it really but was. we wanted to get yeah. rid of the competitive atmosphere, too, because it's not about that. It's not, you know, right. it's not like, oh, this is the best band. So, you know, he's choosing, it. The, this counselor's choosing those musicians. Yeah, you used to do Battle of the Bands, but it's totally non-competitive yeah, totally now. Right. Right. You know what? Because yeah. the counselors were, you know, I'd give them a bounty. <laughs> uh, the best band would get $500, you know, or right. $1,000 added to your bonus. And they would beat the crap out of these campers. <laughs> I got to be better than Rudy's band, you know. They, I never knew that. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, I have to stop that because some of these counselors are really working these people really hard because they wanted to win. They wanted to be the best right. band. Like, Teddy, you know, Teddy was like, kill his band. I want to win. I want to win, you know. Yeah, the band doesn't know why they're working yeah, so hard. Yeah, exactly. They don't realize why they're working so hard. Exactly. Oh, my God. Um, But you know what I also found at camp is, you know, people say, I'm a better musician than that person. Well, I I think that lifting other people up is really something, a good feeling you can get. Tell me about that. because Definitely, definitely. Like, there are some people that maybe have stage fright or just really insecure about playing their instrument. And when they get the right support and when they're around the right people that encourage them and say, no, you can do this. Watch, I'm going to do this. And I was just like you two years ago. I was just like that before I came to rock camp. So I like to mix new and past campers as well. So they bring that experience and that mentorship that they've learned from previous rock camps to others. It's amazing. And I got to share this one story. It wasn't me, but another counselor at camp, you know, there was one singer. She's she's major stage fright, you know, Hey, but I can sing in the shower. I'm really great in the shower. So what did this counselor do? The counselor said, all right, I got the solution. The next day they come into rehearsals. There's a shower curtain hanging in the corner. She goes into her (laughs) corner, closes the shower curtain and amazingly she can sing and the fear is gone and she's singing with her band at the camp so um, did she do it in the final performance too no no she 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 got over it she She got that's incredible she got out of the shower she came out of the shower yeah good one one of my and we'll have hours to tell people these stories i think they're gonna be fun is is uh, a guy sells napster and he comes to rock and roll fans game just sold it for millions of dollars like the fourth time around and he's in a band with about four, I put him with top executives. And then there was a bass player in a wheelchair. And it was a young guy. I'll never forget. I remember turning to him. I said, what brings you to Rock Roll Fantasy Camp? He said, I came for the chicks. I came for the chicks, you know? And, and uh, um, Brian, his name is, I think his name is yeah. Brian. Brian out of New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember him. So all of a sudden, and I would do crazy things. And I still do crazy things. But I would tell the band, okay, the first day of camp, Thursday night, you're going to play a gig tonight. What? Yes, you're going to the Key Club and you're going to play two songs tonight on the Sunset Strip. And I would take them to the Key Club and put them on stage as the first night. Because I wanted them to see the difference of how they would be the first night versus the last night. So this band gets up there the first night and they play. And the bass player, Brian, he's playing bass in his wheelchair in the other band. And they're taking it really serious. And the next morning, I came around the room to see, guys, how was it? Oh, it was great. Yeah, it was great. And I walk into that room. Spike Edney was the counselor. Spike Edney from Queen. 
and he's a tough counselor too, but he's also amazing. Right. And a great teacher. I mean, he's the musical director of Queen. I mean, they're on tour right now. You can see all like four or five of these executives are all feeling real dejected. You know, one guy says, I didn't pay all this money to play with a guy in a wheelchair. And the other guy said the same thing, you know, and, and oh, Brian hadn't come into the room yet. And I remember Spike telling those people, let me tell you something. This camp is about being a team about being a band. This guy came for the same fantasy that you came for, to jam. And we're gonna give this guy the experience that he wanted because he's in the wheelchair. And he turned that whole band around that on Saturday night, they had a party at this guy Nafsa's house. Today, they're best friends. And he just changed their attitude. They all became very close friends. That's incredible. And so, you know, to me, that's the most remarkable thing about the counselors. When I had that conversation, you know, you always set up that call with the counselors, and we always have this conversation. We don't let the inmates run the asylum at Rock Camp. <laughs> and I always have to keep telling them, you guys, you got to take control. Guys, gals, take control of these bands. These people want the direction. They want the direction and to be told. That's what they're paying for. Yeah. They don't want to lay up. If they want to lay up, they'll go to School of Rock. Right. They really want to. <laughs> Ooh, what a thing. Um, no, but seriously, I, I want them to get that that amazing experience. I think everybody does get it, right? Yeah. And, you know, I want to just share one quick story from my first camp. I took a beginner band as a counselor. And so, you know, it was a lot of work, you know. They're I real got, beginners. Real beginners, I mean, these yeah. are people who've come and, and never played. And we, we worked real hard for the final performance. Since we couldn't decide on songs, everybody had a song they wanted. We made this giant medley of Beatles songs and it was awesome and uh, you know we started out with Come Together so that's a slow to kind of tempo to start off with we practiced it tirelessly in the rehearsal room we got it perfect we really we really did everybody was so excited and when the drummer started the song at the final performance it, he started it pretty fast and so everybody's looking at me like oh what do we do this tempo is a little and I you know I'm doing like charades you know like kind of conducting like everybody slow down and everything like that it all worked out I just said just don't stop whatever you do don't stop we keep going we'll just we'll all come together and you know and we did I had a feeling I'm a professional musician. I'm I'm kind of a perfectionist, a little bit type A. And I had this thought like, oh, man, I hope they're not disappointed because it started off a little shaky. As I'm packing up and getting off stage, everybody's hustling to get off so the next band can get on. I'm thinking, what am I going to say to make these guys feel really good about it? Because they did a great job. But, you know, it, it was. Yeah, it, things happen on stage. Sure. Things happen live. And instead, as I'm going through this thing in my head, I hear high five slapping. Oh my God, best day ever. I can die happy now. Bucket list complete. Like all these things, they're jumping for joy. They're like, let's get shots and celebrate. That was epic. <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah, silly me. Like it's not, it's not about being perfect. It's about getting up there and doing it. These people did it. They've never done this before. So this is amazing. This is a reason to celebrate. And it's not about being perfect. You know, Alan White, the late Alan White, loved to do camp. He knocked yeah. on my door in Manhattan. Guy actually came to my house and knocked on my door, introduced himself. And drummer says, of I, yes. Drummer is, of yes. Yeah. I mean, the guy who played with John Lennon. Yeah. yeah. He knocked on my he really wanted to do rock and roll fantasy camp. And I wasn't a big fan of his manager, so I didn't take the call. He really came to see me, and we talked for a long time. And then he said to me at his first campus, you know what, I need a, a, a well-adjusted band of advance because I, my yes music is very hard, and they're all going to want to play my music. So there are counselors who've said to me over the years, give me, and then you get a, someone like Spike Edney, who's like, just give me any band, David. I'll take the worst band. I'll make them the best band. And I watched him do it. I watched him take, take a band in London and teach him 50 licks. 
and you got very creative. Um, and I've seen over the years that even Kip Winger, he would take a band and if it had a weak drummer in it or it had a, a weak person in the band, he would find what they could do best. And that's really what I love these counselors because they really are giving you four days. And then they're record producers. That's what I tell you, you're a record producer. Yeah. Your job is to produce this band and make it the best band you can. To me, that's, that's the fun of rocking it. You know, and the lessons that people have learned. Talk about Joe Walsh. He went, I'll never forget when he made his appearance at camp, he took the bands and he put them in a circle you know, around the drummer. And then he turned to the guitar player and he said, you know, he started jamming and then he started the guitar with you do a solo. And the guy froze. <laughs> it's on YouTube. You can see Joe Walsh in a camper. And the guy just froze. You know, and, <laughs> and uh, he didn't know what to do. And Joe said, keep playing. Whether you make a mistake, just keep going. Keep going. We all make mistakes. You know, that's what I love in the Rock Camp film. It's so real from Sammy Hagar to, um, you know, Rob Halfordson. We forget words. We forget lyrics. We forget, you know, chords. And, you know, we're normal people, you know, and I think that's the fun part about camp, that people make mistakes. And you realize that the rock stars do, too. Like, I remember Jerry Cantrell being like, OK, I want to know exactly what songs these campers want to play with me so I can practice because I don't want to be the one to screw up. I'm supposed to be the professional here. So they get nervous, too. And yeah. you see the human aspect of these artists. I had and that with Ringo, too. You know, he would go on tour. The first rehearsal, so I'll make sure they got name tags. And he said, send me the song list. He wanted to really prepare for these artists. Right. But then going through it and making mistakes and jamming and being in those uncomfortable situations is what makes you a better musician, what makes you stronger. And the fear. Yeah. The, the fear and getting over and just pushing through, even though, you know, getting out of your comfort zone, you know, what doesn't challenge you doesn't change you. And I think really when when you do it and you come out and you've jammed with Joe Walsh and you've jammed with Jeff Beck, that validation from somebody that's successful, that's your hero. When your hero tells you you can do this, you did a great job, that's huge. And you take that with you in life, past being in a band into your company whatever you do for work and it just boosts your whole confidence and gives you a whole different level of self-esteem i can't tell you how many wives have said my husband doesn't have road rage anymore my <laughs> husband's really happy many women have said to me i've got my dream and playing with your heroes and playing on stage and doing something that you've never done before how many campers at rock camp i had a lady today we're doing this podcast for not podcast i was doing for the movies playing in boulder q a Colorado. type thing yeah, yeah. q a and Lee says, oh, my husband, he plays drums. He's downstairs in the basement playing drums. I said, your husband really wants to be in a band. <laughs> you know, He's not happy playing drums. Yeah, he's playing the songs and music. But if he could play live at a gig, that would be unbelievable. Right. And she didn't understand that. I said, talk to him. Yeah, and, and the validation goes a long way, even to a camper in my last band. You know, he had always been a bedroom player, you know, never never broke out, never jammed with other people. After jamming and joining a band at rock camp, he went home and he was at a local gig just observing as a, as a fan. And somebody, he met other musicians and they said, hey, we're looking for a guitar player. Like maybe you should be in the band. He said, not in my wildest dreams would I have ever said yes before rock camp. I would never have done that. It was completely outside of my comfort zone. I was incapable of saying yes to that. And after rock camp, I joined this band and now I tour and I'm in a van, you know, and he's coming back to this next camp too for more. But now he's really doing it. He's working as a wow. musician. I think Slash in the movie, I'm so happy we got that clip of him playing Sweet Child of Mine and blowing it. He hadn't played it in a long time. Right. And he comes to camp and he blew it, you know, and, and he says, we make mistakes too. I mean, Slash yeah. 
camp. Well, it was never something he, you know. I found a ton of great clips of Slash in the vault, which we'll have to play some of those. But, you know, I think that's the big thing about camp is it humanizes the rock star. I mean, it all culminates, too. Everyone goes out and parties at the end of camp, too. You know, you go out to the bar with the rock stars. At the last camp that we did in New York City, everyone met on the hotel roof at the end of the night and had beers and pizza. And Brit Irish goodbyed, which I thought was uh, pretty smart. She, she left without telling anybody <laughs> I noticed. But, but, you know, that's the fun of camp. The bocces, who are regular campers, good friends of all of ours, they were telling me they've had camps where they've closed out the bar with Gary Hoey, Vinny, and others till four in the morning. So it's like, you know, you really do get to know these rock stars on a personal level sometimes. And, and uh, you know, and the rock stars have benefited from these campers. You know, yeah. one of my favorite stories was Mark Farner at Grand Funk. They had a huge tax issue. I mean, it's publicly well known that he ran into a lot of tax issues. Mark's a camp, and uh, there's a guy playing keyboards who was a lawyer and an accountant. The first story about him was that, that he's playing the Hammond B3. She's trying to do a rascal song. And he's having problems getting through the song. So a friend of mine, who was a manager at the time, had David Spiro, who manages Paul Rogers and that company. He walks by and he says to the guy, you want to play this rascal song? Hold on one second. Let me get Felix Cavallari on the phone. And he gets Felix Cavallari on the phone. And Felix, um, you know, for a half hour, shows the guy how to play the song over the phone. And, you know, to me, that's that's magic. And then I, the guy says to me, you know, Mike, I love Mark Farner. He says to me, I said, you love Mark Farner? I said, do me a favor. You're a very successful lawyer and you're a successful investor. Mark has had major issues with the IRS that are public. Wouldn't it be cool if you could help him out? David, of course. And he turned Mark's life around. Mark plays in his band. He helped Mark out. I cannot tell you how many campers have come to help these rock stars. How about our dear friend, the private eye and uh, Elliot Easton? Oh, mm. you, know, you know, here's a story that one of my favorite ones is when Elliot Easton led a band. Elliot Easton Elliot from the cars. The cars yeah. and, and after camp, this gentleman comes over to him from Texas and says, Elliot, I got to thank you. That was probably one of the greatest weeks I ever had at camp. Hands him his business card. says, you know, I'm a private eye. If you ever need any anything, just feel free to call me. And Elliot's going through a major divorce at the time. And about a month later, decides calls him up. And he says, you know, I'm going through this divorce and I'm trying to find this young lady that I went to high school with. It was my first love. <laughs> and he says, you know, could you track her down for me? And if she's married, I don't want to, you know, I wouldn't want to be involved. He gets a name. He calls up the parents of the, of the young lady and says, uh, you know, hi, I'm a friend of Elliot Easton. And Elliot was looking to find out where your daughter is and if she's not single or anything because he's single now. And the parents, oh, the parents said, we, they're gushing. We love Elliot when he was in the cause and, and we love him so much. He's like a son to us. And he was so great. And him and my daughter were so close. And my daughter's single and she lives in Los Angeles. I bet you she would love to hear from Elliot. And he gives her the number. Elliot calls her and she learns a mile away from Elliot. She lives a mile away from Elliot. Wow. They get together two days later. They're married. Wow. And he found his love at Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp. And again, that story's on, same with, on uh, YouTube. The same with Liberty DeVito, too, right? Oh, yeah. Liberty. Great. Yeah. My, listen, she, Anna was my secretary, and she was awesome. A great assistant. Anna yeah. loved Anna. And she always said to me, David, I'm going to marry a rock star. If I'm going to work here for you, especially what you're going to pay me, I'm going to marry a rock star. <laughs> <laughs> she went on Wall Street. Close with the story, but she came to camp and she met Liberty. 
and they have a baby and they have a beautiful marriage and so happy for her because right. she's so sweet. There's so many stories that come from the rock stars. Oh, one of, tell one of my favorites that I want you to tell now actually is the Todd Rundgren story of when he forgot money for the hotel maid. I mean, that's a great one. Todd Rundgren was a camp because he was in London. He asked me if I could cash his check. So I brought him the cash for his check and he put it in the hotel from camp. He was going to you know, fly home and he flew home and I called him a week later. I said, how was the camp? Well, you know, he thought David was great. And, and I said, I hope he, the money was okay. And he said, oh, I left the money in the envelope in the, in the hotel room. So that may is probably going to enjoy, have a good time because she's going to have a good Christmas on my money. But yeah, you know, Todd uh, was great. But you know, that camp particular, I want to share the story. It really means a lot to me emotionally that there's a song that Paul Carrick wrote that he won the Grammy and he sings it. It was a Mike and the Mechanic song. And it's a song called The Living Years. And it really tells the story um, about, um, you know, Mike Rutherford wrote the song about his relationship with his dad, that he didn't have the relationship with his dad. And then his dad passed away and he regretted not having that relationship. And I brought Paul Carrick on a Ringo tour to sing that song every night because I wanted to hear it. I had an amazing relationship with my father. And I remember Ringo and I had an argument about Paul Carrick. He said, oh, you just want to hear that song every night. And I said, I do. I do. I want to hear that song every night. And I want to put him in the band. And I remember getting upset that I wanted him in the band. And in the end, Ringo realized he was, you know, Paul Carrick had so many great hits. And, and, he, and he was a superstar on that tour. And I got to hear that song every night. Wow. And so I had a, a, a camper came to camp. She came with her mother. And she was telling me her story. And we're in London. She says, you know, I don't really talk to my father. But my mother is here. And, and then she had told me that her father was good friends with Nick Mason. And I said to her, wow, you know, I'm sorry. I've, you know, you should really get a relationship with your father. I'm really big into relationships with your parents. Uh, you know, having gotten divorced, I really believe parents, mothers and fathers should still have equal relationship with kids. You know, and, and as stories I've heard at camp where the, the mother, the parent, one parent tries to steal another parent away. Or the one parent decides they're not going to do, you know, they don't want to be involved with the kids because they're upset because the wife took him away and you know, all those kinds of stories. So I called Paul Carrick and I'm in London and I said, Paul, do me a favor, would you come to rock and roll fantasy camp and just tell your story and, and David, I'll be there. And you know, and, and it was really nice. He came to Abbey Road studio and he, I had him sing, you know, sit around the camp and do a Q and A. And then everyone left and I said, um, well, before everyone leaves, you gotta do me a favor, Paul. I, I want you to sing this song to this young lady. And here he is, Paul Carrick, singing a Grammy Award winning song to 50 people in a room. And I said to this young lady, listen to the words, go make peace with your father. Go make peace. Here's a great song. And she did. And wow. her and her father are very close to this day. And he's alive. And she keeps coming to camp. To me, if you could change one life, one life from a song, from music, that's unbelievable. What's the story with Dennis Hoff's girlfriend, or what's the story behind that? Well, Dennis Hoff, you know, he owned the, the Bunny Ranch. Yeah. Mancow's best friend. They were very good friends. Why? Because Hoff was smart. He would get friendly with every DJ in the country, and he'd have great material. You know, he'd be selling his Bunny Ranch to everybody. So, you know, he, he knew everybody. He knew everybody. So he called me one day. He said he wanted me to barter with him. Hey, I want to send my girlfriend to you and you can come to me. I said, ah, my wife, she wouldn't like that idea, but if you pay and she can come. And, and so he sent her to camp. She was a violinist. She was a um, classical violinist. And uh, she came to camp and I'll never forget. He called me that Sunday night after camp. And you were at that camp. But, oh, no, that was, no, that was in L.A. That okay. was in L.A. He calls me up to camp. They're having a fight in the hotel room. 
because uh, she doesn't want to go on and do the HBO special cat house anymore. <laughs> I want to be a rock star. <laughs> David, you got to come here and tell her that it's only a fantasy. And it's uh, you're in the fantasy business, not me. So. <laughs> <laughs> Meatloaf and Bruce Kulick did a Q&A together at a camp years ago, and I found it deep in the vault. And it's interesting because Bruce was in Meatloaf's band with his brother Bob way back when. So this was a reunion for them too at the camp. Bruce tells a pretty funny story, actually, and we'll roll a clip for that right now. By the way, I was traumatized by his relationship with my brother, okay? Because you remember when he was going like, oh, the two of them would get at each other. And I was always like running around going, oh my God, he's gonna kill my brother. My brother's gonna kill him. My brother, you remember, he used to want to hit you with his guitar or something. Meatloaf goes on to say how he would never take a gig as an opening act. I Go to Epic Records and they say, so uh, who do you want to open to? And I go, ah, I'm not really an opening act. Exactly. They go, they go, well, everybody's got to open. I said, well, you don't get it. When I, because I, I was on Motown in 1971, I said, I was managed by Russ, somebody, and and I said he managed Rare Earth, and they put me as an opening act, and we had the same manager with Rare Earth. I got kicked off the tour because I was like kind of yeah. taking, you know, people. Sure. They, the rare didn't want me out there. It's like Hendrix opened for the monkeys. So right. Yeah. Recently, David Lee Roth famously turned down the opening gig because he said, oh, I won't open for a band that I influenced. And so I think Meatloaf was kind of taking a similar approach here. He's a legend. He doesn't want to open for bands. What are your thoughts on this? I mean, in today's day and age, someone like Meatloaf or David Lee Roth, being an opener is not a bad thing, right? Well, you know, if you see my, my friend Dennis Harfa has just combined Billy Joel with some of the greatest acts that sung out stadiums. And then you saw he, Dennis put the Motley Crue tour together with Poison and it was Def, Def Leppard. Leppard and, and then you had Joan Jett on the tour. You know, opening today is not, a, it's not, you know, it's not the same as it used to be years ago. And I think what the fun part has been is that the bands have been flip-flopping, you know, will you open one night, we'll open another night. And then what happens is, is sometimes the bands have come out and join each other to do a final song. But I don't think it's that much of an issue today. Meatloaf at Rock Camp was an amazing experience. I'll never forget I was in Israel when his manager, Tom Consola, called me. And I know exactly where I was. I was looking down on the Wailing Wall from the Mount Scopus, and the phone rings, and it's Tom's, and Meatloaf said he'll do it. And I got so excited, because I am I love Meatloaf, and, and who doesn't, you know, and just the way he performs and acts. And he came to camp, he said to me, listen, my music is very difficult, and for these bands to do it, it's gonna be really hard. So you mind if I go to every room, I'll listen to it, but I wanna really train these people on how they should perform. That's really what, I wanna give them lessons of how they should perform. And I'll never forget, brilliant. He went to every band, he said, now listen, don't you ever, ever turn your ass to the audience. He says, you always face the audience. And I hate those rock stars that turn around. I don't know if you do that in your show, Brit, but they turn around to the drum player and the bass player. And I don't wanna see your ass. I wanna see your face straight ahead. And then he says, and then you perform, you look at that last person on that stage, on the back of the arena, and you perform to them. And he just showed people how to perform, because he's an actor. And he gave them so much knowledge. But I hate when those guitar players, they turn around, those bass players, they turn around. He says, you face the audience and you entertain an audience. He was brilliant. I, you know, I, I miss him. He was so into it, and he really 
really gave his his all. I would think I don't want to see the band's ass has never been said at a Vixen show in the crowd before. But, <laughs> well, uh, but, yeah. Yeah. I guess with Brit's band, yeah. 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 they'd probably rather see the, the backside than the yeah, front right. side. You know? <laughs> but, uh, but I just thought that was, you know, he really, listen, a lot of the rock stars have given secrets and from Roger on down, teach people how to hold their voices. And, and you know, because some of these young singers, they come, these singers, they come to camp, you see it. The first day they're blowing their voice out. By the last day, they're, they can't sing. And I think that, you know, learning all these techniques and all these lessons from these people who have sold millions of records, have sold millions of concert tickets, and they go from city to city, they have more experience than anybody you're going to learn in Berkeley School of Music or the School of Rock. Oh, yeah. You're going to hear from the greatest musicians and how they've done it. Britt, I want to get into your background with the camp a little bit. You know, you're the musical director. You're the guitarist and Vixen. How did you get involved in the camp? Well, um, you know, I had a lot of mutual friends, you know, from playing in bands and stuff that had done rock and roll fantasy camp, and I would see them posting about it, and I never really understood what it was. My bass player, Cher, from Fixin', she she had done it, and so finally I was like, what is this all about? I think I want to get involved. It seems so cool. Yeah, and then, you know, I friended David on on Facebook and was just started to follow things, and then we connected, and then he asked if I wanted to be a counselor at the camp, and I said, I totally do. So I was really excited. So that was in 2019, and we just kind of clicked. We kind of hit it off, and... And I think David liked the fact that I was a musician, but I also have a business background as well. You know, thought we could work together and I could help out with some ideas and stuff. And then, uh, yeah, we just started working together daily uh, pretty much after that and started to come up with new camp ideas. And, uh, you know, we had all this stuff in the works and then boom, COVID hit. But then we, we came up with the masterclass idea and, and started doing that. And then, you know, speaking of when you started, you had one camp a year. When we came back to do live camps in 2022, we had eight camps that first year. So we really yeah, we worked over, hard. We really overdid it. But <laughs> I, I, what, what I saw, Britt, what I wanted to do was I kept wanting to add more women to camp. And because I, I was selling, I was getting a lot of men, you know, boys, but I wasn't getting women coming as much as I wanted. And I thought if I add more female counselors to it, it would attract more women, but it didn't. It attracted more men. So, <laughs> <laughs> so then I finally had to take Britt's idea and say, let's just do a women's only camp. And that was phenomenal. You know, I, I got to say that was, Britt, that was one of my favorite camps because I found that the women were just more into helping each other and they became more of a, a set group, like regular camp, you know, they do your set and you're going to perform at the Whiskey Go-Go and you're going to, you're going to perform with Zach Wilde or, well, we'll get into those stories about the people who showed up to that final show. It's unbelievable. And who performed and, um, and who got up on stage. But, you know, right after they would do their set and the final set is the counselors, but there's always people, the band finishes and they just want to go celebrate and they leave. When we did the women's camp, no one left. No one left. Yeah, it was such a supportive environment and empowering. Like, we want to empower each other. Like, if you don't think you can do it, you know, we're not going to be like, oh, we're better than that band or anything. It was like, it was like, I'm going to help this person. Look, they're they're struggling. So campers from other bands would go help other bands. It was really, it was really amazing. You have guys doing those fancy things to try to impress (laughs) the lady in the band or something like that, right? It was just, it was just pure, we're going to support each other. And and they were really my favorite uh, and I stayed away and I got to, you know, Lizzie Hale was amazing and Nancy Wilson was amazing. Just to see Melissa Etheridge, how much they gave and how much they loved the idea and they embraced it. Right. So I'm hoping we're going to do a lot more. Yeah. So when they say women only, it's like even the male staff, even you don't really go in through the no, whole weekend, the right? No, the managers and the crew people. And, and I think Britt went out, you, you got a producer, yep. a record producer that, that, you know, did it. It was really women's only. And 
And I got to tell you, uh, the last email, I, I received an email about a few weeks ago from a, a mother who sent their daughter who was suicidal. And she said, David, the camp saved my daughter's life and now she's touring. And so when you start seeing results at rock camp of really saving people's lives, you start feeling like you're doing something great. Listen, Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp is the most incredible thing in the world. It changed my life, which, you know, I guess I'll touch on my background with the camp no one real quickly. <laughs> yeah, it's like people are watching going, who the hell is this guy? I first found out about the camp as, a, as an 11-year-old kid. My brother got to go to it as a camper. You had just started letting kids come to the camp. Yeah, I didn't want kids. Yeah. I didn't want yeah. to be a babysitting service. Right. So the first 20 years of the camp or so, or first 10 years of the camp or so. Your mother were... was so insistent. I'll oh. do it. I'll come. I'll come. I'll make sure he behaves. And I didn't. But I came to the camp as originally just, you know, a guest with my brother. He did the camp. I wasn't even old enough because you put an age limit on it. It was 13 year olds for the first one that kids were allowed to come to. And that was Dickie Betts in Philadelphia was that camp. So oh, wow. That's when we decided to take it on tour. But yeah. I wanted to go take it to the masses. So I went and took, got Dickie to do four weekends. And we did Philadelphia, we did San Francisco, you got to play live at the Fillmore. Right. We did LA, I think, and, and Chicago. Yeah, and, and the Philadelphia one was the Troubadour. Uh, I think that was yeah. you know the big gig of the week. And so my brother got thrown in a band with Ty Dennis, and I remember being like, I just heard the name The Doors. And Ty Dennis is the drummer of The Doors of the 21st century. I was like, oh, The Doors, Ozzy Osbourne's bass player is here. I just started getting into rock music. And so for me, it was like, why the hell does my brother get to do it? I'm the one that likes rock music. I should be doing Doing this you know i'll never forget i mean you think my mom was persistent to you you should have seen how i was to her that's probably why she had to be persistent to you i annoyed this woman to no end basically you know begging 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 to go to rock and roll fantasy camp and i'll never forget she was driving me to summer camp one day and she goes you know what if you ask one more time you're never going to rock and roll fantasy camp <laughs> you know when i when i got later inducted into the rock and roll fantasy camp hall of fame i told that story i was like a gotcha mom so you know eventually i think she called you and was persistent and you know you said, all right, I'll let an 11 year old come because you were doing camp in the Bahamas at Atlantis with Tommy yes. Lee. Oh, which, wow. What's the story behind you that know, camp? Atlantis, you know, they wanted it. I, you know, everybody's been called me to do it. And um, and I told them, you know, it's gear. You know, people don't realize that do one of these camps, how much production it is. You know, you need 15 drum sets. You need 35, you know, microphones, but uh, amps. And, you know, it's you need rehearsal rooms. You know, they're not easy, you know. I mean, doing comedy camp was simple. You put up a microphone or it was easy. So, but the Bahamas, they wanted it. So I, I went to Tommy Lee and uh, he said he would do it. And and I thought that would be cool. Go down there and we'll do Tommy Lee. And Ace Freely was there. And we had so many amazing musicians went down there. So we did it in the Bahamas and it was quite fun. It was quite fun. And I was in a band full of kids. Our counselor was Sandy Gennaro from Cindy Lauper and Joan Jett and the Monkees. Yeah. And so, you know, he, I mean, he was great. We'd rehearse for most of the day and then he'd go, hey, you know, we're at a water park in the Bahamas. You kids should go out and have some fun at the water park. And he'd come with us. So it'd be us. We felt like the coolest kids in the world. We're on a water slide with Joan Jett's drummer. And so I really got hooked on this thing. I mean, for me, it became, there was nothing better. And, you know, I started to get into radio and broadcasting and, you know, to make a long story short, I met Rudy Sarzo at the camp and begged him to let me interview him in some form to put on an online radio show. And then David let me interview him. You know, I started essentially using all your rock stars and you... Um... You and everyone else. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Everyone's Rock Camp. best friend. <laughs> right, right. What made you want to start interviewing people? Uh, God, I don't even know. I guess, you know, I'd started doing um online radio show type thing before podcasts were even like really much of a thing. And I think I just caught the bug from interviewing my mom and whoever else would 
would come on it. And eventually, I remember sitting with Rudy and I just had the idea, oh, maybe he'd let me interview him. And so I asked him and he went, yeah, how about this weekend? I'm on tour with Blue Oyster Cult right now, but how about this weekend? I can do it. I'll have to pull the clip from that. I have a clip of way before puberty where I'm like, hi, Rudy. It's great. I have to share a story. For yeah, please, camp please. That <laughs> camp, Britt, you'll, you'll really appreciate it. These six women signed up and they were six mothers who were dropping their kids off at some music school every day and they would sit in the lobby waiting for their kids and finally one of the ladies said why don't we become a band let's hire a guitar teacher a musician and let's become a band and let's go try to do this while these while, while dropping our kids off and they became a band they called themselves the cover girls they saw this ad for tommy lee at rock and roll fans in bahamas and uh, one of the mothers said let's go i'm taking you all down we're gonna go and they flew down in a private plane I remember they booked it. They asked if they could have Kip Winger as their counselor. I said, sure. And the one lady even said, I want to pay Tommy Lee $10,000 to give me a private drum lesson. Tommy Lee said, yes, I'll do that too. You know, that's, that's why he took three planes to get down there, I guess. And um, <laughs> and then and, and, uh, we had this camp and these ladies were having so much fun. And the counselors, they were eating every night in Nobu and they were drinking. And you know, rock stars, you know how they get on the road and they're having fun. And by the last day of camp, I saw how much fun they were having. So, and I, you know, me, I'm always thinking, I want them to come back. So I, I went into the room and uh, the rehearsal room and I said to Kip, can you leave here for a second? And he said, what's going on? I said, I need to talk to these ladies. I said, ladies, I see you're having so much fun without your husbands and without your families, but this is a fantasy camp. And you know, you're gonna have to go home and still take your kids back and forth to school and, and just be your husbands. And one lady raised her hand. She said, David, I'm gonna ask my husband for a one day pass. And uh, <laughs> they were so funny. and. <laughs> They were really going to make fantasy camp. Yeah, out they of really it. thought. I said, "This is, you know, I want them to come back." You know, right. very funny. Everyone's having a fun big party there. We're playing volleyball uh, with all the rock stars. We, we yeah. it was just really a fun, fun experience. I think we need to bring back the Atlantis. I think yes. so too. There was a trainer on the beach each morning that would take people yeah, out Patrick. for yeah for to exercise on yeah, the beach. Patrick I mean, was my trainer. Yeah, yeah, that was something else. That and, yeah, I met this guy. Pat. He's such a sweet guy. I was at a kiss convention. There were about three people there. And he was dressed as Paul Stanley. And, you know, and he came, I came over to me and I said, wow, you know, you must look just like Paul Stanley. And I said, what do you do? He said, I'm a trainer. And I, so I said, I made a party deal with him. I said, you could come to the next Paul Stanley camp and you're going to train me. He changed my life. He was, he was amazing. Wow. wow. And then he became the rock star trainer, you know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> also met all these rock stars for me. But he's great. He's a super guy. I, I actually, too now. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he's actually training Burger right now. Yeah, I he's guess. training like our production guy. Yeah, now. Wow. and I guess he's, the results are pretty great. I've yeah. been hearing about it. He dressed up as Paul Stanley at the final night of the camp, too, oh, I, I remember. Oh, I have to have him do that. He yeah, does yeah. anybody. And so he, he walked us in the kids' band, you know, back to our hotel rooms after. So it was Paul Stanley essentially walking us to our hotel rooms. I didn't know the Kiss makeups. I didn't know who was who. And so I'll never forget, some girls came up and said, are you really the guy from Kiss? Oh, yeah, I am. I am. And he was joking at first you know i wanted to really sell it so i looked at him again he's dressed as paul stanley and i went well all right ace it was great hanging with you we'll see you later and it, you know just 
That was a, yeah, that was a great camp. So that was your first camp. That was my first camp, wow. and and your full, full full camp, yeah, full camp that I actually did. And, and you and played bass. I played bass in it, and uh, our band was called the New Age Rockaholics. And then the next band that I was in was Too Old for Chocolate Milk, Too Young for Beer. Like we would always try and you know. <laughs> Do you ever keep in touch with those campers? Oh yeah, yeah. It's funny. I, I'm still pretty close contact with one of them from my first camp. It's weird. We've known each other ten years, twelve years at this point, and I haven't seen him in a long time. But rock and roll fantasy camp, you know, that's the thing. Like David said, it creates friendships that go on forever and a lot of the bands stay together too like a couple of my camp bands they live all over the country east coast you know midwest west coast and they fly twice a year they rehearse over zoom and then they fly for two gigs twice a year they meet up and then they play out and they keep in touch and they still have the band going it's amazing i remember mark slaughter called me about a band that came to see him at pittsburgh his band from camp at the end of his show he told his band, okay, you guys leave. I'm bringing up this band. He brought up his camp band, and they finished the final show, the wow. final song with Amazing. him. Amazing. And, and everyone has told me, the fantasy keeps going. It just keeps going. And we've got another great story of a camper that opened in Moscow for Aerosmith. Yeah, yeah, I was walking on the street and about four years ago and picking up my son Josh for dinner. And a guy walks up, runs, running over to me. He said, Mr. Fisher, Mr. Fisher. And I said, yes, call me David. My father was Mr. Fisher. And he said to him, he says, you know, my band just came back from Moscow. We opened for Aerosmith. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, I came to Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp three months ago. And I met Joe Perry's manager there. And I called her up. I saw Aerosmith is working in, in Moscow, the stadium. And our lead singer lives in Moscow. So I sent her, she says, send me the, the, your CD. I sent the CD and I, she took it to Joe. And Joe said, where did I meet this guy? I met him at Rock and Roll Fantasy Game, and he wants open. Joe said, let him open. <laughs> wow. Not Amazing. I mean, so dreams really do come do. true. And actually, I know that guy. I think it also, he also opened for Bon Jovi out there in Moscow. He had, I mean, he had a, a successful run thanks to the camp. Guys, I think that brings us to the end of the second episode of Rock Camp, the podcast. That's a good place to stop for today because we don't want to give too many of the stories away right now. There's so many at Rock Camp. There are, are going to be a plethora of stories after doing close to 100 camps being on the road for 15 years with so many of these great rock stars we got a lot a lot of material to share and in the meantime if you want to hear more about rock and roll fantasy camp rockcamp.com of course rock camp the movie is out on amazon prime rock camp the book also you can get on amazon and of course and peacock too and peacock right and on all your airlines that's Jet right Blue. Jet Blue. and we have some great camps coming up High Voltage Camp with Nancy Wilson, a bunch. So, yep, Robert and Dean DeLee of Stone Temple Pilots, Chris Slade of ACDC. And if you want to be notified on all the upcoming camps so you don't miss out, be sure to join our newsletter that you can sign up for at rockcamp.com. And I also want to promote, while we're promoting, Tuesday nights, 5 o'clock. We have such a great masterclass that Britt, you can talk to Britt and come on and learn from counselors, from campers, and hear all the information about what Rock Camp's about. Yeah, it's a live free forum. Ask questions, feel comfortable with it, get to know how it all goes down so you can be a part of it. Ask Britt the questions we don't answer here. All right, it's Rock Camp, the podcast. Thanks so much for listening. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.